listening to PetLifeRadio.com. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander's up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Welcome to Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Why let sleeping dogs lie when you can take the bull by the horns and let the fur fly? So get your claws out and get ready to rattle some cages on Pet Peeves with your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Showtime. Hey there, and welcome to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Amy Shujai, and I have a confession to make, so stay tuned. You won't want to miss this. Here's my rant of the week. When people adopt a new puppy or rescue a dog, they immediately think about training options. They make arrangements to schedule puppy potty breaks. They worry about leaving the new dog home alone. Won't he be lonely? And perhaps they choose a wide array of care products and training toys. But the feline family member on the other paw comes into most households with no expectations of training. Kitty ends up getting in trouble because, well, she has no legal outlet for her energy or or becomes a feline couch potato getting pudgy in her nether regions and in her brain. After all, cats can't be trained, right? Wrong! Okay, here's my confession. My cat, Saren, not only has been trained to come when called, sit, sit up, wave when asked, walk on a leash, she's also so smart, she's trained me. In fact, most cats quickly train their humans, which is probably one of the best arguments for training your cat first, before she can get your paws hooked into your brain. It's not only fun, there are many physical and emotional benefits for both of you. I swear it's true, cat's honor. What's more, today's guest agrees with me. I love when that happens. Steve Dale is your pet's best friend. As the host of two syndicated pet radio shows, Steve Dale's Pet World and The Pet Minute, and author of a popular syndicated newspaper column, My Pet World, Steve entertains and educates with spot-on pet information and advice. He's also an expert on cat training and enrichment. So don't let your cat kids intimidate you. Call them closer, because I guarantee they're going to like what Steve has to say. We'll be right back with Steve Dale after these messages. Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. Hey, ready to take a walk? Not just you, but the whole family. It's the 2009 Whisker Walk, Sunday, June 7th from 11 to 3 at the Lancaster Fairground in Lancaster, Massachusetts. Pet owners and animal lovers walk to lend a paw to benefit the animal shelters and pet charities they love. Come see exhibits, demonstrations, educational programs, special attractions, product giveaways, entertainment, auctions, raffles, food, fun, and things for adults and kids to see, do, and buy, both human and pet-related. Whisker Walk 2009, a fun day for everyone. For more information, log on to whiskerwalk.org. Hi, this is Marcy Davis and my service dog, Whistle, and we're your hosts 
of Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Working Like Dogs is the show where you can learn everything you ever wanted to know about working animals or working dogs. Whether you're a member of a working dog team or you've just seen a working dog or animal out at the mall or the grocery store and you're curious about how these amazing animals work with their human partners, then Working Like Dogs is the show for you. Join us for the inside scoop at Working Like Dogs on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves. So here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun. Welcome back to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. And please help me welcome Steve Dale, a certified animal behavior consultant who has some terrific insights and advice about cat training. Welcome to the show, Steve. Hey, thank you, Amy. I always like to ask guests to tell a little bit about themselves first. Now, you've been a guest before, but remind our listeners, what critters share your life and love? (laughs) Uh, Well, I live with, here's how I want to answer that question, a very well-known television dog trainer I recently interviewed. And he asked me, he turned the tables on me, we were talking about dominance training, which is something that I think is overdone, overwrought. We don't need to be dominant over our animals. It's, it's a concept that I, I was going to say I don't understand. I, I guess I understand it, but I don't quite agree with it. And in a sense, I don't understand where it comes from. And, and this very well-known dog trainer said, well, who's, who's dominant in your house? Ah. And I don't know what he was expecting my answer to be, but I said, uh, wanting to continue to be married, I said, my wife. And then he said, no, no, no. He said, pass that. I said, well, my cat. The cat controls the house, really, and and probably is is definitely, in fact, more dominant than my wife, I guess. Uh, And then I said, after that, the two dogs and then the lizard, and then maybe I'm somewhere behind there. Uh, But cats love to, they're control freaks. And they love being in control of things. So we do have, we'll get to that in a few minutes. We, we do have a cat named Roxy. Roxy is a Devon Rex cat. Two dogs, a 14-year-old dog named Lucy uh, and a two-year-old dog named Ethel. And yes, we have a lizard, a northern blue-tongued skink. And her name is Cosette. One of these days you ought to do a show about northern blue-tongued skinks, but I suspect that isn't coming anytime soon. Uh, it well, you know, we'll have to do the southern blue tongue skink first. I suspect there is uh, actually. You're right. There is a <laughs> <laughs> there is a northern and a southern blue tongue skink. Well, we'll get all four corners of the globe covered here <laughs> in a little bit. So, playing devil's advocate here, Steve, cats can't be trained. Everyone knows that. Now, prove me wrong. It's easy to do, uh, actually. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, well, in general, it's not easy to prove you wrong, but in this case, it is. Uh, if you just think of the television commercials and the movies uh, that cats have been in, obviously, these are trained cats. Otherwise, they wouldn't be on a TV or a film set. So, yes, cats can be trained. And if you think about it, there are at least some cats out there who are. But I would suggest that any cat can be trained. And, and their motivation is a little different. And, but let's back up. I guess the question would be, okay, even if they can be trained, why the heck would you want to? 
Oh, that's right. exactly. Are you reading from my computer screen here? That's exactly <laughs> what I. People All right, great minds. I walk down the street. People stop me and say that. You know, why would you want to train a cat? Okay, exactly. maybe they can be, maybe they can't. But even if they can be, why the heck would you want to do that in the first place? Well, there are all kinds of uses, if you will, for that. But most beneficial it is to the cat. I mean, increasingly, here's the good news. We're keeping our cats indoors. And, and I'm glad for that. More and more people are doing that. The, the downside is we have a nation filled with brain-dead, fat cats. And as an opportunity to give the cats something to do, to use the cat's brain, I suggest that we train our cats. I speak at, as do you speak at conferences, I do too. I speak at veterinary conferences, in my case, you know, all over the world, and, and animal welfare conferences and, and all the rest. And I, I give a talk that isn't too different than the conversation we're having now in some ways. And I ask the veterinarians, the veterinary technicians, and the animal welfare experts in the audience before I begin, who do you think is smarter, dogs, cats, or maybe they're about the same? And most of the time, most audiences say, even when I talk to the general public, Amy, most audiences either say they're about the same, or even more so, especially veterinarians raise their hand and say, cats. So if cats are smarter, if they're wiser, why don't we take advantage of their intelligence? I mean, we teach dogs to sit, stay, and roll over and do all those things. And it's greatly because they have to live in a social world with us, go outdoors, be well-behaving around people. When people come to your house, uh, poorly behaved St. Bernard or Irish Wolfhound or Rottweiler, you know, just because of their size can be a problem, and cats, of course, aren't, unless you have a panther in your house. I mean, they're nowhere near that big. I think a lot of cats have actually, are, are so smart that they have trained us to think that they cannot be trained, so we'll leave them alone, and they can, you know, just graze back and forth from the kibble bowl to the couch. Yeah, I'll go further than that. I mean, cats are very adept. Dogs are, too. But cats are very adept at training us. And Absolutely. I mean, it, just think about it. I mean, how many of you, you don't have to admit this to me, but how many of you uh, are woken, I'll let you pause, woken by the alarm, not the alarm clock, but the cat who goes, or the cat who jumps on the bed or jumps on you first thing in the morning, or maybe it's five or six o'clock and and you're on the phone and not paying attention. I dare you. I need to be fed. And the cat's going to tell you that. Or maybe you're just watching American Idol. And you're just watching the television, seeing what Adam's going to do next. And then the cat jumps on your lap and, and in essence, says, I need to be pet. And, and what do you do? You respond. So cats are very adept at getting exactly what they want from us. Dogs are, too. But I suggest the cats are actually better at this. What sorts of things do cats learn to do? Now, of course, we all learn, but we all hope that they learn proper litter box training, scratch training, those kinds of things. But beyond that, what sort of things could you expect to teach a cat to do? Well, I want to come back to the scratching thing because actually training a cat to scratch in all the right places, training a cat to go back to using a litter box who's been away from it can save that cat's life because so many cats, in fact, most dogs and cats, are relinquished to shelters for behavior-related reasons. Absolutely. And we, we tend to be, I mean, there are dog trainers out there, and, and we go to the dog trainer when there's a behavior problem. 
in some cases, perhaps we should be going to a behavior consultant or a veterinary behaviorist, but, but we go to someone for that help, and we tend not to seek that help as much thinking there isn't help available or thinking that there's no way to fix the problem with the cat. So we either live with it until it gets so bad we can live with it no longer, and then the cat goes, or the cat just sometimes goes. But you can, in general, to answer your question, teach a cat to do anything that a dog can do, except sometimes and often the cat does it better. So you can teach a cat to sit, and I can tell you how to do that in 10 seconds. Tell us. Okay, so what you do is you take a little piece of food, or for a food-motivated cat, a little piece of cheese, a treat, a little, little piece, something the cat would like, you put it in a teaspoon. You raise the teaspoon above the cat's head. And by the way, you're in a position where the cat's back is up against a wall somewhere, so the cat can't back up. You lift the teaspoon up over the cat's head. If you're lifting too high, the cat will stand on the back two legs and kind of swat at it. If you're lifting too low, the cat will just snatch it off the teaspoon. (laughs) But if you lift it just right, the cat will look up. Its front end of the body goes up, and physiologically, if that happens... The back end, I guarantee it or your money back, your back end goes down. And now you've got a cat who is sitting. Right. And, and then over time, just like, yeah. just like you would with a dog, you pair the command or better a gesture because cats and dogs are better at understanding our uh, body language than understanding our language, spoken language. So even better, you give a gesture to sit, and you have a cat that over time will learn to sit on command. But there's one way that professional trainers, it's called clicker training, use to teach cats or dogs or dolphins or you name the performing animal that appears on television. And and this is the best way in some ways to train any animal, but you're not going to put a leash and a collar on a cat yank the leash and collar if the cat does it wrong because then the cat's going to give you the middle digit and you may never have an opportunity to work with that cat again. So it's clicker training. There's no downside. You're never punishing the cat for anything the cat is doing wrong, incorrectly, but you're always rewarding for what the cat does right. And if you'd like, I can explain that to you. Right. I think we'll get into that here in a little bit, but I did want to also just back up a minute. The cheese is a great way. My cat will work for a Philly cream cheese. She'll just about do backflips. And folks out that are listening out there, some cats are very food motivated. Others are toy motivated. Mm -hmm. A feather toy might work. So just find out whatever floats your cat's boat and use that and then reward them. I mean, as soon as that tail, that furry tail hits the ground is when kitty cat's going to get the cheese and they start to realize, hey, you know what? I can turn her or him into a treat vending machine. Tell us about clicker training more, Steve. Clicker training is getting one of those clickers that are available these days just about anywhere, you know, any pet store online. Clickertraining.com is actually a wonderful website and it sounds like that. It looks, some of them are shaped differently now, but generally they're a little box shape and it's a, I don't know how else to say it, a clicker. And, <laughs> and it works amazingly well. It all began with a lady by the name of Karen Pryor who worked with dolphins back then. And you can't put a leash and collar around a dolphin and, and do very well with it. If the dolphin goes the other way, you're in the pool with the dolphin, right? So <laughs> it's, it's not a very effective way of training dolphins. So she thought, well, how can I train? And this was before 
dolphin shows were really created. In fact, she was right there when they were created. So how can we train the dolphins to jump through the hoops and do all the things that ultimately dolphins do today? And she thought, well, how about a whistle? And she was thinking of people that use sporting dogs that hunt. They use whistles, and it works instantly. And she began using a whistle for these dolphins. Of course, whistles are still used today for dolphins. But for dogs and cats and other animals at home, you want a novel sound, something that sounds different than anything. It's an instantaneous sound. And she thought about using clickers. And by golly, it is a great way to train for all the reasons I just said. And what you do is you click the clicker when the dog or cat is doing something you want. So if we're teaching the cat to roll over, or let's say to lay down, let's say to lay down. There's two ways to do it. One is to shape the behavior. So if the cat begins to kind of get in the position to lay down, let me back up one step. Let me, I'm sorry. What you do first is you have to have the cat understand that the clicker is a good thing. So you do what we call click and treat, click and treat, click and treat, and you give the cat kibble. It's ordinary food. You feed the cat by hand for a while. Or if you're feeding moist food, take the spoon with some moist food, click some food, click some food. Over time, the cat understands that, wow, this is great. The greatest thing happens when I hear this click, I get fed. All right, once you've done that, now, shaping a behavior. So let's say the cat, you want to have the cat lay down, you know, like a downstay that a dog would do. So the cat is kind of sort of in that position anyway, just by circumstance, and you click the clicker. And then the cat's going to move maybe in a way that, oh, no, now the cat's standing up. That's not good. And you wait and you wait and you wait. And eventually the cat gets bored and begins to lay down. Now you click the clicker. And you sort of shape the behavior for the cat to lay down. Another option is just to catch the behavior while it's there. And if it's not a complicated behavior, like the cat laying down, something the cat does all the time, just click the clicker. Every time you see the cat do it, you could say down or and or give sort of a visual command. And then the cat understands that when you give this command, it's down, but you instantly click the clicker, you offer a treat for it. And this is really how you clicker train any animal, including animals as large as a horse. Now, a good example might be Ricky, my cat, who I know you know about, Amy. Oh, yes. Ricky is a legend. (laughs) Yes, I think so. Ricky (laughs) at one time ended up doing more television than I ended up doing for a course of several years. And it was because, well, let me explain. We did animal assist, actually it's my wife who mostly went in to do animal assisted therapy with one of our dogs, a miniature Australian Shepherd. And we thought, well, what can we do that's a little different to interest these kids at the rehabilitate, very famous Rehabilitary Institute, Rehabilitation Institute of Chicago. And mostly it was kids and Mostly these kids uh, had spinal cord injuries or brain injuries, and we were doing, working with professionals, the professional therapist on goal-directed therapy. So the goal might be for the child to raise his hand, and it didn't seem like therapy because he was tossing a tennis ball to the dog. But we were getting tired of doing the same sorts of things, so we wanted to come up with something the kids would enjoy, and I don't know how I thought of this, but I went to Toys R Us and picked up a kid's piano. And I was going to teach, using clicker training, Lucy, our dog, to play the kid's piano. So I closed the door of the room. The cat, Ricky, and another dog we had at the time, they're outside the room. I closed the door, and I begin the process of click, 
treat, click, treat. I want to shape the behavior. I mean, dogs don't instantly play pianos. So I was going to wait until Lucy lifted her paw, just that, then I'd click, lifted her paw a little more toward the piano, and I'd click. And that was, you know, for five minutes, and that's all it was. It was going along okay. I mean, we weren't playing any tunes yet, but, but we had started. <laughs> and then I didn't see I left the door open just a little bit, and in the room comes Ricky the cat, looks at Lucy the dog, looks at me, walks over to the piano, and goes, ping, right on the piano key. And I thought, what am I fooling around with this dog for? So out goes the dog, in comes the cat, and I finished training the cat, which didn't take very long, to play the piano, which was already a very well-socialized cat. And... I wanted anyway to demonstrate to the public that cats can indeed learn anything that a dog can do, and in some cases, as I said, do it better. So we trained Ricky to play the piano, and Ricky would perform at recitals at Petco and at PetSmart, and television cameras followed us at times. We, uh, <laughs> did, one, we did one show where a real piano teacher came, knocked on the door, of our house, we let her in, and this was all for the TV cameras, it was for an Animal Planet show. And she came in, and she got into it. She <laughs> sat down, she said, Ricky, you've got to practice, practice, practice. Now let me show you the keys. And then right in the middle of this conversation, this lecture she was giving the piano teachers sometimes do, uh, she went, row, 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 kind of talking back to the teacher. And she said, listen, I performed with Luther Vandross last week. I'm not going to take any second mouth from you. And she was, in, I mean, she was really serious about it. Oh, and, and Ricky eventually, or quickly actually, learned to do all these other things. Jump through a hoop. You can take, if you had a hoop, could take kids, children, and lay them all down. And, and Ricky would jump over one, then another, then another, and another. We could take dogs if they could do a downstay. Even dogs Ricky didn't meet previously. And he would do the same thing, jump over one, jump over another, another. He could run through tunnels, jump over tunnels. Uh, now they have agility for cats. That's the obstacle course for dogs that you often see on television. They actually have this sort of thing now for cats that you'll sometimes see at cat shows, and these are trained cats. Well, we were kind of doing our version of it well before. I mean, if YouTube were around then, Ricky sure would have been a hit. <laughs> well, we'll continue our conversation with Steve Dale after messages from these sponsors. Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. Greetings, human. What planet am I on? Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, Candid Pictures of You and Your Pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo 
en podcast. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Want to know what cats like to eat for breakfast? Mice Krispies, of course. Learn everything there is to know about cats on Catitude with your host, Tom Dock. Each week, we'll spotlight a cool cat breed, give up-to-date advice on cat health, and check out spiffy new cat products. So curl up on the couch every week for a perfectly enjoyable time on Catitude. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves. So here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun. We're back and again speaking with Steve Dale. Now, Steve is a contributing editor at USA Weekend, so I know you've read him. Uh, He's also appeared on the Oprah Winfrey Show, National Geographic Explorer, Pets Part of the Family on PBS, and as you've heard, several Animal Planet shows. Steve, I wanted to back up just a little bit before we go further. How is you telling me all about all the wonderful things that Ricky uh, was able to do, what other cats are able to do in the training process, but how is training a cat different than training a dog? And who uses this method? Is it owners, trainers, veterinarians? What about, you know, can our listeners do this? Great questions. Uh, Yeah, anyone with some patience uh, and can find a way to motivate the cat can train a cat. You know, dogs are pretty much born wanting to please us. And cats, I think, have some of that. I don't think they're given enough credit. I, I do think the cats that are particularly bonded with their people do have an element of, of wanting to please. But, you know, Amy, I know this about you. You're not going to work if, if you're not getting paid. And if you're not getting paid eight figures for this radio show, I know you're not doing it tomorrow. So oh, it's the well. same. Of course. It's the same thing with our cats. I mean, they like to be paid. And that's their primary motivation for dogs. It's depending on the individual dog. Sometimes more important that I'm pleasing you than I'm getting food. But I'll tell you, for a lot of dogs, food is right up there. So, and then there are cats and dogs, as you mentioned earlier, that don't care about food. And it's you have to find something else that'll motivate that cat. If it's a toy, that's great. And and maybe it is just your squealing and pleasure. And anyone. Anyone. The great thing about clicker training is that kids can do it, and ah, and, right. and and certainly you don't need to be particularly mobile. It's it's not like taking I don't know an eighty pound dog at the other other end of the leash, and it's hard for a ninety eight year old woman to do that. But a ninety eight year old woman that can move around a, a little bit and click a clicker uh, can clicker train a cat. Anybody can do it. Okay, so you've convinced listeners that their cats can be trained to do certain tricks and those kinds of things, but doesn't it go beyond trick training? What are the other benefits that the cats really actually receive? What are the benefits that we humans receive from this? Uh, You know, you just asked the most important question there is. Sometimes, when I speak at these conferences, I will also ask this question. I will ask how many people uh, have two dogs, and a certain number of people raise their hands. And then I say, how many of you that have two dogs have a dog that can do and does 
something with you a lot, whether it is, uh, but something organized, whether it be agility or any of the other dog sports, or maybe you do search and rescue work with one of the dogs, uh, anything, but you're working together as a team. And then the other dog, your second child, you love, but for whatever reason, maybe an injury or, or lack of interest on the dog's part or your part, but doesn't do whatever that special thing is. You do maybe animal-assisted therapy with one dog, but not the other. And always, you know, one, two, three, four people raise their hands, where they have two dogs, and one they do something special with, and, and one uh, they really don't. And each and every time I ask that, I say, well, tell me about your relationship with both dogs. And each and every time they sort of describe it this way. They say that's something special with. I do have a special bond with, and by training your cat, I think it intensifies. There's no data on this yet, but, but it's almost common sense to me. If you're working together as a team and you're better communicating with one, with one another, which is what happens also, I think that then when the cat begins to miss the box, maybe you won't be so fast to rush in and allow the cat to be relinquished to a shelter or and might get help sooner. Or you'll be more perceptive about your cat. And it doesn't mean if you don't train your cat, you don't love your cat, of course. But you might not know your cat as well. And cats in particular, more than dogs, are very subtle about illness. So if you're that tuned in to your cat, maybe you'll pick up on something that you otherwise would not have. And I loved that you brought up the whole idea, the communication aspect. To me, that is so very important. And it works both ways. We're not only communicating to our cats what we'd like them to do for us, but when they suddenly discover, hey, she's listening to me. She is responding to what I am doing. There is a give and take here. That it's almost you can see the light bulb go off. And it is just yeah. such an incredible, incredible feeling to know I'm communicating with this animal, this other species. This, and it brings, I think, us all a lot closer together. Yeah, we're used to doing that. It's very well put, Amy. I mean, and we're used to doing that with dogs to a degree, but, but not cats. And what happens when you click or train cats? It's the most interesting thing. First of all, for dogs and cats, I believe they learn to learn. So yes. you have an animal that will be more receptive to learning, if you will. Uh, and I have many stories where I was able to just drop the clicker at some point with Ricky, that particular cat. And it's the same with our cat, Roxy, that we have now. And I can point at something, but Ricky was so good at it. But I, I can point at something, and either cat might actually know what I want, which is pretty incredible. I mean, they actually learn to learn. The, the brain might expand for all we know. But we do know this. We know that in, in dogs and in people, the more you use your brain, especially as you get up to later in life, the less likely your brain is going to decline as quickly, which is why senior living centers now offer computer classes and, and chess classes and all those things. They want the brains to keep exercising. We know it's the same in dogs. We don't know if it's the same in cats, but I think we can make that assumption that it is. I wanted to touch on enrichment, and that kind of goes beyond training. And I know this is something that you do uh, as a part of the kitten kindergarten <laughs> types of plans. I, I want you yeah. to talk a little about that. And how important is that? Why is that important to kittens or to adult cats, this, this whole idea of enrichment? 
Well, you know, our cats, as I said, are increasingly indoors. I think that's a great thing. But they have nothing to do. So training and working with them and interacting with them in that way, as well as literally playing with them, is good. That's better than good. It's wonderful. It's necessary. reason why cats have become so popular, in part, is because they're easier to keep than dogs. You don't need to take them for a walk. You don't need to be home every day, all day, etc., etc. So cats greatly now to our average lifestyle in America might fit more families than, than dogs. And indeed, the numbers seem to reflect that and that there are more cats than dogs in America. But it doesn't mean they don't need any attention. They're domestic animals, by very definition, who need us. And, and not only do they need us to feed them and provide water, they need us to be there, to re- react with them, to be with them, but we can't all the time. Well, having another cat is a good idea, but there are other things you can do too. You know, I'm all for the cats being indoors, but how about hunting? You know, cats have a built-in, they're born this way. No cat doesn't have the prey drive. They all have it if you're a cat. It's part of being a cat. They're born to hunt. So instead of just feeding your cat, for example, out of the bowl, I say feed your cat in different food stations around the house. One way to do it if you're feeding kibble is to get one of these little plastic balls. They're called play and treat balls. They're available pretty much at any pet store. There's a little hole in the little ball. Cat, you teach them, for those who will learn it, and the food-motivated ones mostly will, to roll this ball around and piece by piece by piece tumbles out of the little hole. And you put them in different spots around the house. They have to be up high away from dogs if you also have dogs. I brought a play and treat ball home for my cat from the recent animal behavior conference that we both attended. And the first uh-huh. thing before I could even show it and teach my cat how to use it, the dog had swiped it. So, uh, <laughs> to, he's, and I'm worried he's about ex- dogs. It's easy for dogs to crack that, you know, and yeah. I'm worried about them cutting their gums, that sort of thing. So, yeah, it has to be kept up high. And, but if you're creative, you could do that if you have dogs and keep them away from the dogs. I mean, we do, and we have two dogs and one cat. It's never a problem. The other thing you can do is take, if you feed moist food, a little plastic plate and put, again, away from the dogs. Otherwise, the dogs are going to scarf up the cat food. But, but uh, put them in different places and have your cat. You're going to work, but your cat is, meanwhile, spending part of that day hunting for his or her food and then doing what all cats do after they eat, and that's taking a siesta. But at least the cat is working off some calories and also thinking in the process of getting that food and, and hunting for it, quote-unquote, which is something the cats love to do. Absolutely. Well, we're getting close to time here, but before we go, Steve, would you share where is a website that folks can uh, contact you, read about your work, and maybe find out some more information? Because I know you always provide these great articles on your website. Well, I hope you all become my friend. I have a fan page on Facebook. You can friend me as well on Facebook, and the fan page is just my name, Steve Dale. Or you can go to my website, and that's stevedalepetworld.com. Great. We are out of time, but I would like to thank Steve Dale and the producers for making Pet Peeves possible. Now, I dare you to join me next week for Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio for the next installment of What Hisses You Off. Email me suggestions or post a note to my blog by dialing up petliferadio.com and 
clicking on the Pet Peeves logo. And folks, don't forget, you can subscribe to the free Pet Peeves newsletter available at shujai.com. Purrs and trills until next time. Turn the tables on your cats for once. Offer them the gift of training and enrichment. There's nothing sadder than a bored, frustrated feline. You'll be happier and your cats will love it. And the bond you share can only get better. After all, <laughs> you don't want your cats to get peeved. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander is up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Join us each week on Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Shojai, will talk about what makes you howl and what hisses you off. Pet Peeves, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.